Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. This podcast is inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Well, hey there. Thanks for joining us again. We are in season four, episode three now of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Today, I have a return guest, and she is one that you all have asked me to have back through Twitter and through Instagram and then through emails at podcast at leadero.com where you can send me an email of who you think I should interview. And so I have had a lot of people send me emails saying, please have back on Obianuju Akocha. Now remember, Obianuju, she was on a couple of seasons ago and she is the Culture of Life Africa. She's the voice for Culture of Life Africa. She is the founder of that. And so we have her back on because she is I mean, if you're on Twitter and if you follow anybody in the pro-life movement, then you should be definitely following her for sure. And there has been a Twitter crazy firestorm going on between her and news outlets and Melinda Gates and all sorts of jazz. It is unbelievable. She is fierce. She speaks the truth. She does not care. And as it says on her Twitter bio, she blocks idiots. I love her. She's my new hero. So we talk a lot about what are the new things going on. There are some new developments in the pro-life movement pertaining to Africa that are going on right now. Melinda Gates is pushing hardcore, putting millions and millions of dollars to contracept, to sterilize women in Africa. She's going to talk about that. She's going to talk about her response to Melinda. She's going to talk about what's going on. She's going to talk about, she's going to talk about a lot of different terms that are being used and thrown out right now that maybe we're not quite sure what they are and what, what they're about. And she's going to educate us. Let me tell you something. I let her just go on. I let her just talk because she has so much good stuff to say. And there are so many things that we can learn from her. And as she's talking, I mean, she's talking about how Western world and and, and some people in the Western world, especially news outlets and journalists and people with tons of money, i.e. Melinda Gates, have used their Western influence and are trying to put it upon Africa as a whole. And try to put upon their ideas of what they think is best for Africans on them, even though Africans are saying that's not what we want. And so it is beautiful to just listen to what Obianuju has to say and what she has to say about, about what's going on and what Africans really do want, because she, she's obviously African. She has a voice there. She talks about that she is in tune. She also has a new documentary that she is almost finished funding. So if you are wanting to find something beautiful to do for the world, if you are wanting to get on board and help somebody in the pro-life movement, well, this is your chance, people. I have given you all the information in my show notes that you can you can find at leadero.com. So you want to go there to get the information so that you can help and we can help Obinuju fund this documentary that she is doing here in the States and also in Africa as well that really showcases what's really going on. Like what's really going on? And so this, I had her back on because there's so many new developments in the pro-life movement in Africa and what's happening right now with, with some of her recent appearances on the BBC and her, uh, her, de- her dealings in a sense with the philosophy behind what Melinda Gates is doing. So I'm just going to end it right there because Obi Nuju, she talks and we just need to listen. Thank you so much for responding and for emailing me, asking to have her back on. And I am very happy to bring another fantastic 
interview with the wonderful, the beautiful, the fearless Obianuju Akocha. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome. Let's see if I can say it right for the first time after the last time we had you on. Okay, here we go. It is Uju. Yes. (laughs) It takes every ounce of concentration for me to say. And I get so nervous. I'm like, oh, I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to screw it up. No, you've done it right. You've done it well. So you, well done. You think I would you think I would have like practiced a million times over, which I actually did, and I still like am nervous. <laughs> so okay, your full name is let me just say it first, and then you can correct me. Obianuju Ekocha, correct? That, that's perfect. Ah, very good. Okay. <laughs> so and then your nickname that I have the hardest time saying correctly. And then halfway through the first time that you you were on the podcast, because you were on season two, episode one. The last time yes, that you I were was. on the Do Something Beautiful yes. podcast. And halfway through, I stopped calling you by your correct name. And I started calling you by the wrong sounding name. So I have to correct myself. So I'm trying to redeem myself a little bit in this <laughs> podcast. Never mind. My name is difficult. So that's all right. I didn't even notice. I didn't notice that you dropped a, a, a vowel or a letter. But... <laughs> You're, that's because you're way too kind. Name. That's because you're way too kind and, and you're just, that's just who you are. But okay, Obi-Nuju, I am so excited to have you back on because you have been on fire on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> it is an intense place for you right now. And we were talking right but like before we started the show, we were talking and you were mentioning how busy it's been for you because, and I did not re- realize this, but World Population Day is in July. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So I didn't realize there was such a thing of like a world population day. Exactly. None of us should actually, you know, know, have an information like that or know something like that. Because, of course, there's like a world day of cats and a world day of, for all sorts of things. World day for pizza and, and all these things. And then there's world day population. Now, the problem is why all of a sudden it's become something big in the last couple of years, Leah, is that for the people who put so much interest, I mean, powerful people, leaders of countries, actual entire nations in the developed world, private organizations, private foundations have started putting so much emphasis on this particular day. And I think they use it as an excuse uh, to continue to push their population control agenda on a day that should go completely unnoticed, you know, a day that shouldn't really be of much interest to anyone. All of a sudden, they're trying to fix summits and conferences on that day. They're trying to do fundraisers. They are doing all sorts of campaigns to dovetail, you know, into bigger things. But they use it, they kind of use it as a trigger day to, and a day to call out their compatriots in this particular mission. So, it's become a big deal all of a sudden. And, you know, we're hearing more and more of it. And I think in the near future, we will even hear more about this World Population Day as they keep putting more emphasis and even more money into celebrating it. Well, I think it sounds to me that it's just some type of catchphrase for a place of how we can just market and sell contraception. Because the idea That's it. behind World Population Day is not like, mm-hmm. hey, let's look at how many people are in the world or some type of weird like world census, but it's trying to eliminate yeah. people. 
Absolutely. I mean, World Population Day, thinking about, you know, the demographics and populations around the world, if you think of it, people are constantly studying, you know, populations and how populations are changing, how people are moving or migrating or how people, you know, like birth rates, death rates, all those studies continue to go on, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month. But the day, the World Population Day is this one day in the in the year, July 11th every year. That should really not mean much, as I said. But now, it, come 2017, it's become a day when people, the powers, let me say, the powers who are most, who are really the leading forces in the population control movement, this is the day when they gather together. So it's kind of like a dog whistle day, if you like, when they all gather together and they do their things. And, and this particular year, July 11th, 2017, every, you know, there was a big family planning summit that was planned in London. It was spearheaded by none other than Melinda Gates, the wife of the billionaire, Bill Gates. And they all gathered in London. It was, uh, as I said, in London. So they had uh, dignitaries, they had uh, ministers, they had leaders of countries gathered together in London. And again, they rolled out updates of their plans in pushing, you know, this population control agenda. Of course, they're not calling it population control agenda, even though it falls on a world population day, right? But they, they right. say it's for women's empowerment, but they made it all about just the availability and higher and more access to contraceptives, you know, quote unquote, modern methods of family planning. So that was hence the family planning summit. And of course, on that day, they made so many commitments. All the people who were in attendance on that day, they raised so much money. So these are the things that I've been keeping, I've kind of been keeping my eyes on just monitoring but it happens every year. But this year, it's even more of a fanfare than it was the year in the previous years. Well, yeah, it would definitely keep you busy. Just an interesting side note to July 11th as World Population Day. Just so yes. you know, and for our listeners to know, it just happens to be, of course, which World Population Day people probably wouldn't know or care. But July 11th is actually the feast day of St. Benedict. Oh, wow. Oh, that that's actually quite... Uh, that's an interesting one. I'm thinking of St. Benedict. Is he not the saint who is largely responsible for so much in the Western world? You know, a lot of what, what one will be enjoying today in, in the you know, Western civilization has come from Benedictine tradition. Absolutely. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, he's the father of Western monasticism. You know, so hopefully he will intercede and be praying for Amen. For, for the end of, 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 <laughs> of what's behind really World Population Day. Now, there's, yeah. there's a few things that have been going on. And if people, and I will add in the show notes, all of the information that you need to follow Obinuji because she's phenomenal. And I know she's way too humble to say anything. So I'm going to be able to say it. If you want to seriously be inspired, if you want to follow somebody who is on fire for truth, this is the person for you. You do not oh. back down from anyone who talks about, well, really anybody who talks about things that are not true and try to try to push an agenda off of on others that they don't want. And what I'm really getting at is what you have currently penned on Twitter is a conversation that you had on the BBC network. And right. this journalist, this woman is interviewing you. And mm -hmm. it is a epic 
epic <laughs> take down. It is, I, mean, I was watching it with my husband and my, and my husband was like, oh man, that she, he's like, she, th- he goes, that girl is going down in flames, flames with your responses. But what she said and what I'd like for you to kind of comment on, because I right. could not believe that she had the guts to say mm. this, but she said mm. that contraception is a basic human, human right. What yeah. is going on <laughs> with that mentality? Well, this is where we're at now. This is where we're at today that come 2017, that there are people like real professionals in media, not just any media, but in major networks like the BBC, who actually believe, and from what she was saying and how she was saying it, I honestly gathered from just listening to her that she believed what she was saying. She wasn't just making that up. And these are the things we see, Leah, when we go to, you know, like, say, for example, the United Nations, as I had said the last time I was on your podcast, that I go to the United Nations every year and have done for a couple of years. And these are some of the kind of statements, you know, the sound bites that will be thrown out there. And you know, it's a lie. There is no human right to contraception. That's for sure. There is a human right that is called the right to life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And even from the charter, the United Nations document where every human right, you know, is connected. And from, let's just say where human rights have come from as far as they, you know, modern history is concerned is the universal, the universal declaration of human rights, which was passed in, in 1948, that even there within that document, in the 30 articles of that document, there is no right that is like a right to contraception or a right to abortion. But every time we come to the same United Nations, of course, now the United Nations has come so far away so far, far away from the original document of human rights, this uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, that they now make comments and it's a bit like feminists. You just maybe in a conference or in a meeting and they're giving a talk and then they throw it out there when they cannot be challenged. And they say, oh, by the way, you know, women should have the right to abortion because it's their human right. You know, women should have access to contraception because it's their human right. And they throw out these comments. And these are exactly the talking points that we then hear, and that's why we should always challenge them, because if we don't, and if we don't debunk it, we then hear it in newsrooms, in major newsrooms like the BBC. So she, she kept repeating that. And of course, she, I felt that she honestly believed it. But just to set the record straight, there is no right like a right to contraception, right? You know, there is a right to life. And that is, you know, those are the kind of rights that we should always champion. And that's why we would always continue to fight for the right to life of the unborn, because those are the real human rights. But today we are hearing these things that are distorted interpretations, if you like, of what we all have known to be human rights. Absolutely. And we clearly, it makes sense to me, at least, we clearly have forgotten what it is to be human. Yes. And with well, that, that and with mm-hmm. that goes what we think a human right would yes. or should be. And we've forgotten whose we are, you know, and who hmm. we are. And when yeah. we when we have separated that connection between us and our creator and yeah. then what God's plan is for our lives and even our bodies mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 
it then makes sense that others would start, they really believe that, no, contraception is a basic human right. Human right, yeah. (laughs) And as you mentioned in the interview, a basic human right, she goes, I love when you said this, you're like, you know, a basic human right is like water and food and shelter. And when those are taken care of, maybe we could have this conversation, but (laughs) which I know you still would not agree with, but those are the basic human rights. And altering a woman's biology when there is nothing wrong with her biology to begin with is nowhere near the consideration of a basic human right. And you're right. I believe in that interview Mm -hmm. on the BBC that you had with this young woman. Yes. I think she really did believe it. Like it was not a, it wasn't an opinion that she was presenting that others might have, but she seemed extremely connected. Convinced. Yeah. She, she was she she was speaking like she was convinced of it. So within that conversation that went longer than just what was posted on Twitter, but sure. you had mentioned a phrase that I would like for you to help explain because mm-hmm. I think we're hearing a lot more of it now because of some things going on within yes. the world. And I yes. want to make sure that we're all like defining our terms and we understand what it is. But you had mentioned ideological colonization. Mm-hmm. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So ideological colonization, as you said, we all of a sudden hearing more and more about it because things are changing in the world. Even Pope Francis, on a number of occasions, he has actually said it within, I think it was when he went to the Philippines in one of his speeches, he used that particular term. But he, he didn't, he, it didn't originate from him. These terms have been around for a few years now, but even more so now when people are beginning to speak about it. Everyone, at least I'm sure most people would know that a lot of the African countries were colonized up until the 1960s. You know, a few countries got their independence just before 1960, but a country like mine, Nigeria, we got our independence in 1960. And the colonization is really whereby someone more powerful than yourself comes to, you know, comes to your country comes to your culture and somehow takes over your systems and begins to make really the most important decisions for you. So it is quite different from slavery. So I always love to point it out. And I think that is where a lot of the difference, I am African myself and I have a number of African-American friends and I have been, you know, I've been, I've done a lot of work in America. So I'm quite familiar with a lot of the sort of the the burdens that the African-American communities even today continue to struggle with. So we're quite different. If you look at the Africans and the African-Americans, they're quite different. And that the difference, I believe, comes all the way from the difference between slavery and colonization. So in slavery, you feel that someone has taken control of your life. You don't own yourself. Even now, someone can say one is a sex slave or, you know, one has been taken into, you you know, if I say slavery, everybody understands what slavery is. But colonization is actually quite different. Even though you don't have your full freedom, but you don't know it that you're not free. And I think in that regard, it's just as dangerous, it's just as poisonous as slavery, because someone is in charge of you and you're a protect, you know, in those days when African nations were, were being colonized, they used to call us protectorates. So they were, quote unquote, protecting us. 
But what they did, like the Britain, Great Britain actually colonized Nigeria and so many other African country countries. So they took control of us and then uh, started making these decisions for us for almost a century. So eventually we got our independence and that was it. So that's a little historical fact that actually sets this up. Today, okay, <laughs> today, mm-hmm. 2017, in this hour, let's just say in recent years, in the last 10 years, or slightly, you know, or, or a little bit more than that, there has now been a new trend because African nations have shared these links still with the Western world. We have always, almost always been in this position where we're always needing help. Who hasn't heard that Africans, you know, there are hungry people in Africa? Who hasn't heard that there are children, you know, waiting to be rescued from the orphanage system or, you know, people dying of hunger or people dying of thirst in different places? So. African nations have been kind of dependent. They've been in this with all the problems we have. And it's no one's fault other than ours, because we have our governments who are corrupt. We have all these other complex issues happening in Africa that we have become dependent on what bigger countries and wealthier countries can give us. So every year, the United States gives us money. The United Kingdom gives us money, you know, and so on and so forth. However, the ideological colonization is now coming in in the sense that before, when I was little, when I was growing up back in the 80s, when we got these donations and these humanitarian resources and, and help, it didn't, at least as far as I knew, no one dictated what the money was to be used for. If, if Nigeria had problems, you know, they get help from a Western country, but no one dictates to them. You know, they are in charge of their own selves. They are sovereign nations and they could decide where the money goes to. If you want your educational systems are, are broken down, you try to repair it. We got a lot of scholarships back when I was growing up, Leah. Our libraries, sometimes we'll have our libraries refurbished or, you know, we, we have more books brought into our libraries and they tell us things like, oh, the United Nations send this to you. You know, UNICEF would send us books. So mm-hmm. they were enriching our systems in such a way that the African children could get education. People were aspiring to higher things. Um, And even in crisis, people could get food and water and all these things, but things that are much needed today. Some of those basic human rights that we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. The real (laughs) basic human rights, right? But today with the rise, the rise of, and the empowerment of a, a very progressive left, so, and I don't, I'm not trying to get polit- too political here, but there is a new ideology, you know, where things have been redefined. People who are telling us things like, uh, you know, legal abortion is a good thing. You know, they're redefining family. They're redefining marriage. Uh, they're changing society. They're taking on a really Marxist uh, worldview, a really anti-Christian or anti, you know, sort of anti-God ideologies about human life, about the human condition or, or what a person's life should be or a person's relationships should be. So these ideological giants, so to say, are in the most strategic positions now. So for example, there are a lot of Western leaders who are of this mindset. When, for example, in the during the last American administration, we had a very powerful president in, in President Obama who was a, a strong ideologue at the same time. So he had his thoughts and, and he had his thoughts and ideologies. 
a concerning the human condition or concerning marriage or concerning, you know, human sexuality. And that those were reflected in everything he did. So as a result of these powerful people in powerful positions, some of them are in private organizations, they're leaders of corporations, they are everywhere, they're in universities, they are in the media, right? They are, mm-hmm. you know, like someone saying that basic human rights is contraception. These are powerful people. These are some of the most powerful people in our world today. So as they are bringing this aid that they always brought to us, they are now coming with their own conditions and they're trying to change us. So they are tra- they, that's where the colonization, you know, that's where ideology meets colonization, right? So they are coming in and they're annexing us and they're trying to completely change our worldview and, and knowing that the Africans have very strong views about, you know, all these things, all these issues. The Africans have what they think about abortion. They think abortion is a direct attack on human life. And this is really from our cultural heritage for many of the African cultures across the continent. There are Africans, you know, we have strong views concerning marriage. We have strong views concerning human sexuality, about human conduct. So, but now our donors are telling us in what I would call ideological colonization. Sometimes I call it the dictatorship of the wealthy donor. They are coming in and then they're telling us, you know, we would like you to bring in more contraceptives. You know, people like Melinda Gates telling us on the World Population Day, we should have Africans increase their prevalence of contraceptives. And in that way, they're putting more money. They're putting more, more force, if you like, and more pressure on our leaders to change things that already we've made decisions about. So that is colonization. That is control. And it's ideological in nature. So in this way, let me ask you a question. So, for instance, mm-hmm. Melinda Gates, because I, I definitely want yes. to get into her because she is just. Yeah, well, she's she's powerful. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's powerful. powerful. She's a little she's crazy. But yeah, she's power. powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I'm, I'm just going to say it. So let me ask you this. So what you're talking about, has there ever been, or do you see this happening now, where where groups that, you know, heavily funded some basic human rights, we're talking food, water, education, into these different countries of Africa, are they threatening to withhold any of those if the idea of contraception is not accepted? Okay, so it's going in this way. A lot of the aid we get usually through primary organizations like primary agencies like USAID. USAID stands for the United States International Agency for International Development. So that's your government agency through which the money comes in, right? That's okay. the official that's the official track through which it comes in. For the United Kingdom is DFID, the Department for International Development. And for France is Agence de Agence de France. So every country has an agency through which they bring in the millions, right? So if they're budgeting a hundred million, for example, to help a particular African country or a particular African region, they don't just give the money. It comes through the organization. That's fine. So what is happening now, Leah, is that it's not that they have defunded food projects, right? It's that these organizations that are like empty boxes, right? These agencies are empty boxes. So it depends on who is in charge. If it's someone who is an ideologue and who has his mindset or her mindset turned this way, right? 
the money that the United States, for example, gives to different African countries, they begin to change it or reassign it. So whereas maybe more emphasis was put before on education, so all of those funds are being shifted because there is only a limited amount of aid anyway. There's only so much money you know, the American government can give to a certain country. So they're putting more emphasis, of course, for every money put into contraception is money not put into education. You see what I mean? So they're really, in a way, uh, shifting emphasis and shifting funds and resources away from what is what is really so important to the African people and really what the African people are asking for. They're shifting those things away. And then they're moving it into, into things like family planning, which we never asked for in the first place, right? I think the African people, you know, should be given the opportunities to get educated and then decide, right, what, what they want. Because right. it, it, there, there is no dignity. I don't think there is any dignity for anybody that an American government comes in and gives you a contraceptive device. Uh, let people get educated, get jobs you know, and decide what they want and, and get to learn about their, you know, their own systems, their own bodies. And most times when people know the, get educated and know the truth, they always choose what is better for themselves. But they're not letting us or they're not helping us or they're not wanting people to get that education or all those informations. They just want to offer them uh, these particular, not just contraceptives, but they're even choosing for us the type of contraceptives that they want us to have. So someone like Melinda Gates has chosen one particular form of contraception that she's putting so much money into, it's called Depo-Provera, which if anyone would Google Depo-Provera, you would find that there are so many problems that Depo-Provera has, has. Oh, there are absolutely so many And if many people problems. aren't familiar with this, this is the Depo-Provera contraception injection. Mm. It's a shot that that's right, a yeah. woman would get once every three months. And three that, months, that's that would mean that you do not have a cycle. You do not have a period during mm-hmm. each one of those months. So the natural Mm -hmm. process of your body is not happening. And you get that shot every three months to re-up yourself. So let's just talk about that. This is something that Melinda Gates has been pushing up there. She's obviously pushing, she's been pushing contraception for a very long time. And when it comes to Africa, she's been pushing hard with this Depo-Provera shot, which has had so many problems, documented research problems. You can look it up and you can find these serious issues that women are having dealing with their fertility or lack thereof because of it. And so (laughs) I want to ask you a question. Why do you think, I mean, and I'm just asking your opinion, but why Mm. do you think Melinda Gates wants so many African women to have the Depo-Provera shot? Why do you think Melinda Gates, like, do you think she wants less Africans? I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but like, why does she want less (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'll start with what she's saying. If you read, you know, a lot of her speeches or you listen to her speak, she has even given a couple of TED Talks on this particular issue. She always says it's about women's empowerment. She always says it's, you know, it's about helping women, giving them the opportunities. But actually, if you look at it, she's she's not really giving them the opportunities. If you're giving someone double perversion and you walk away, a woman who does not have a job or doesn't have any education and you give her the depth of her shot and you walk away, she's still at, you know, square one, right? She, she still has not got access to anything. Um, you've only just sterilized her. So I honestly believe 
that for them, this is really a lot about population control because even the director for the Gates Foundation in Nigeria, the Nigerian director, so the country director, the Gates Foundation has branches all over Africa and different African countries. And Nigeria is one of the, you know, one of the strong bases in Africa. The country director in Nigeria a few weeks ago actually said in a speech that she made in Abuja, Nigeria, she said that the you know, that we need to use the World Population Day, this particular celebration or this particular commemoration, we should use it to bring attention to the, uh, the po- she actually called it a population bomb. So these are people who are hearkening to the Malthusian, the debunked Malthusian theory, they're bringing in uh, things that have to do with population. They, you know, she, she goes out to the world and she says, oh, I'm not doing population control, but her country directors in Africa when they're having their small events where it's just them, they're giving these speeches that they don't know will be published in the papers and they, they don't think anybody will actually bother to read it. But you read it and you find out that they are still talking about population and the population explosion. She called, she, she talked about population bombs. She talked about population explosion in Africa. So it's actually quite scary because what these people are doing, they're using all their money. They're trying to bring in contraception. But what they're doing, Liad, which is most dangerous is that they are pulling African countries into the business of family planning. And that is just wrong because everyone, you know, if, well, what, if do you know what do you mean so by that? What do you mean? So they're trying to get our governments that were not involved before in people's intimate relationships. Let me put it that way. The, our governments have never been. African governments have so many challenges that they never get involved with things like contraception. You know, when I was born, when I was growing up, Never did we ever hear that, you know, that the Nigerian government was given some contraceptive shots anywhere, right? You know, they would give health care, they would do all these other things, but nobody talks about, the government at least will not talk about contraception. You want contraception, you go to the pharmacy, you know, you go get your, it's your business. You see what I mean? So, and that's right. really the way it should be. You should take those private decisions, but the government is now coming into the business of doing contraception and doing and managing people's family planning. So Belinda Gates is enrolling them. If you read the recent family planning summit conference speeches and the meetings, everything is online, by the way, you can go to, you know, just look for the family, the London family planning summit of 2017. There was one in 2012, but read the transcript for 2017. It's actually quite scary because they've brought in African government officials into this whole business of being part of contraception, family planning, trying to get martial women into, you know, trying to get women convinced to get family planning. It's very dangerous in the sense that, you know, America, United Kingdom, Canada, all these Western countries, at least the one good thing that you have going for you is that there are still human rights recognized, right? So it's really rare that you, you hear maybe like, uh, you know, a government, someone in the cabinet had someone beaten up, for example, right? Those things just right. should not happen in the Western world. Or you don't hear people are assassinated, not openly, but in African countries, for goodness sake, we still have dictators in place. We still have kleptocrats who have been in position and in power for, for you know, opt-in number of years. We have people who are so powerful. Our leaders are so much more powerful than the people. That if if you get them into family plan, the so-called family planning, 
you would find things like coerced. Uh, once they decide that this is what they're going to do, they are going to start forcing women to get family plan, the so-called family planning, which is really contraception. They will start sterilizing people. They can trample on people's real human rights, like what is happening in some of the countries where we're hearing of forced sterilization, forced abortion. But the problem is Melinda Gates is getting them involved. She's roping them in. She's trying to make them to feel that this is their job, that they should get more Nigerian women on contraceptives. Then what will she do when these powerful leaders, these people who are parts of dictatorships, what will she do when they turn around and turn against the people and begin to force women or try to get more women forcefully to embrace contraceptives. What happens then? Who will save us? Because Melinda Gates will not be able to intervene at that point when rural, you know, women in rural parts of Africa are being forced or being, you know, maltreated by the government. These things have happened in the past. But what has not happened in the past is that one, one woman, one Western woman is getting Af entire African nations and governments into women's bedrooms and women's reproductive lives. That is deplorable. And I think that they are, they are really threading a, threading a really dangerous path because even Pope Paul VI had talked about such a thing in, in Humana Vita, which was a document he wrote in 1968 concerning contraceptives and why it's actually really bad for not just society, but for, for individual women. He talked about governments and authoritarians getting into, into contraception and getting into the so-called family planning. And then it backfires because, you know, they can use it to, to control populations. And, you know, those are the things, you know, those are the things that actually constitute abuse of human rights. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting how in the beginning, we're talking about contraception, according to the BBC journalist and interviewer, mm -hmm. that it, contraception is a basic human right, according to her. But what ends up happening is that ends up turning in on itself of what you're saying, um, mm -hmm. especially when you're getting the governments in control of possibility of what you're saying already that is happening in some places of forced sterilization and forced abortions, um, Absolutely. which is a completely against any type of coercion like that with a person who's against a basic human right. So... All of this is moving towards something that I saw a few weeks ago that I am really excited to talk to you about because I'm sure all of this is, is starting to ramp up what you have been doing in a project that you are currently working on, which is yes. you have since, since we last spoke to you back in season two and we're yes. now in season four of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, but yeah. you have started working on a documentary. Yes. <laughs> Which is, you know, which is a, a, it's a massive step for me, but it's one that I'm confident that it's time for it to be made because it really, as you said, it's really quite, it, everything that we've just talked about now, you know, with the whole ideological colonization, it bleeds into this particular thing. What happened was I, of course, for the last co uh, couple of years, five years now, I've done this pro-life work. I've gone out. I've spoken at different, different places, about 17 countries. Now I've gone to different African countries. I've done all sorts of things. But you see, wherever I go, I still find out one thing, that the African people are against, you know, all this, you know, they're against these things. But our people are so powerless. My people are so powerless, Leah. I mean, it, it hurts. 
that the people, the will of the people is that, you know, the abortion be kept away from them. We don't want to legalize abortion. We don't want anybody doing contraceptions for us, you know, or getting into our business, right? And trying to get, get us sterilized and our children sterilized. But then you find out that you, I step out, I leave Africa and I go to the United Nations and the United Nations people are planning, you know, all these people gathering United Nations and they're, they're talking over the millions of people. You see what I mean? So it's right. like these little people speaking in Africa, their voices, it's just not being heard. It's like, and we don't care what you're saying. But we will continue to plan in our beautiful ivory towers. We will keep making all those plans and using very flowery language to describe your basic human rights. We will define what your basic human rights are. We will make our plans for you and and we will get your government because obviously, uh, whereas no one can reach our minister for health in Nigeria, I bet you that Melinda Gates can pick up her mobile phone at this hour and she can get that man on his direct line, you see. So they're able to reach even the strongest and most powerful people in Africa. And they're working, they're just working with the few, with the chosen few, the less than 1% who are ruling us, the people who, you know, to whom Melinda Gates and, and people like her, by the way, have access. So I thought to myself, what else can I do? You know, other than speaking, I mean, I, I've spoken at so many marches for lives. I've planned many of those as well. March for life rallies in Douala, Accra, you know, we've been in Cape Town, ni- different parts of Nigeria. Oh my gosh, Sierra Leone, all these places. What can I do that will actually help to raise the voices of the people? Because I've heard the voices of these people traveling from one African country to the other. And they're all saying the same thing. We love life. We love, you know, we love our children. We love motherhood. We want to celebrate. So all of these things that are making me think, I think I should do something a bit more to get these people's voices heard, to get their voices heard by the world, right? If I can only just do something to amplify, even just to the best of my ability, the voice of, a, you know, the little you know, the poor woman who is living outside of Kampala, if I can get her voice heard in New York or in Canada, I'm okay, right? I'll be happy. So I started thinking of um, a video. So I made one video first. I did uh, one very short video, which it's free online to view on YouTube. It's called Killing Africa. And it's also on the cultureoflifeafrica.com website. So I made Killing Africa, which was only a 16 minute video that kind of followed the story of one particular woman who had worked for a British organization that she didn't realize that this British organization in Kampala, in Uganda. Right. It's a very good video, by the way. All right. Well, thank you for saying that. It's quite eye-opening. I sat with this lady. We had an interview and she told me that she started working for this organization some years ago, a British organization that was so happy. Her family was so happy she got this job. She's a nurse. And it so happened that this British organization in Uganda was an abortion organization. So she mm. got there and had the job that she was now given was to, to do abortions or to overlook this clinic. She was a manager where abortions were being performed and she had all these fights with them and eventually they sacked her. So, but anyway, this uh, kill in Africa, many people got to see it, even in Africa. So many people got to see it. So I started hearing then back from some other women in other parts of Africa who were telling me, Uh, Listen, we do want to tell our own story. Uh, We want to be able to share what 
you know, our own experience with abortions. You know, some of them were post-abortive. Some of them had worked for an abortion organization or so, you know, things. There were all these stories. But also talking of Melinda, going just slightly back again to Melinda Gates, there were women who had had contraceptives put into them. So these were, some of them had IUDs, some of them had implants. They were given, they were given these contraceptives by Western organizations who were in Africa doing the same. You know, this is the back end of these big projects that are being planned out in the, you know, the London Families Family Planning Summit or the United Nations Population Fund conferences at the United Nations. So these big events and, and conferences, they usually hand it over to a smaller organization that would then go into African nations and little African communities and share these contraceptives on ground. So these women were giving contraceptives. They were actually helped a lot by Human Life International, which is a a very well-known pro-life organization in the U.S., but they also have different branches in different parts of Africa. So these people, they they met these women and these women gave interviews. And the women were saying, I mean, the most horrible, I would, without giving away too much, these are some of the most horrible stories about contraception side effects, right? So of course, we all know, or most people know of someone who has reacted badly to a contraceptive, but it's, it's usually not too catastrophic thinking that if you had it, you can go into a hospital and have it removed ASAP because maybe you fixed that contraceptive without knowing how dangerous all these contraceptives are anyway. But it, what the difference between these women's stories and what, what we hear in the West is that a lot of these women didn't even have the money to have these contraceptives removed. People bleeding, to some of them ble- having bleeds that were lasting for months, mm. uh, but they know it's being caused by an implanon that was put into them and they can't have it removed because it needs, a, it needs to be removed at a hospital. They have IUDs that are completely debilitating, you know, that have gotten them debilitated and they don't have the money to have these devices removed. This is where Melinda Gates' money is ending up. And this is where the governments, the Western governments, this is exactly how they, if they want to know how their money is ending up, how it's affecting individual women, these are some of the voices that they should be listening to. But of course, no one listens to these women. These women. So I got their stories. Human Life International had done great interviews, but I put in everything together in this one documentary that would be not, you know, it would be, it would show what abortion has done in Africa, but not just abortion, but how the money comes from the West and ends up in the hands of these abortion organizations, like Marie Stopes International Plan per International Plan Parenthood Federation, then they go into Africa and then perform abortions and leave, right? So I've only just picked up stories of women whose lives went downhill from there. So one of the women even had tried to commit suicide a number mm. of times. And these are women in African nations where they don't have some of the necessary safety nets or, or support, you know, mental and moral support to be able to recover from a post-abortion uh, stress or post-abortion syndrome. So all of these things, I decided to put it together in this massive documentary. So it's a little right. bit ambitious, <laughs> but that's the only way I thought 
that we could get these women's voices heard. Because if you don't make it into a video that can be shown to members of parliament, to the, you know, to people in Congress, to people in these Western countries that are funding, thinking they're doing something good, that are giving millions of dollars to the reproductive health, the so-called reproductive health organizations, they need to hear these women cry and see them and see how their lives have gone to, you know, have been completely destroyed by money given by Western governments. Mm, that's going to be amazing. So this documentary that you are funding and you have a GoFundMe page, and I will post all of this information in the show notes. You will have websites if you go to the show notes on leadero.com under podcast, you will see there, you will see the GoFundMe page link that you can go and you can donate money to help Uju uh, with this documentary on life issues in Africa. You'll get the, all the information there that she has. I'll also post the website link to Culture of Life Africa, which is cultureoflifeafrica.com. And on that main page that you have, it is, you can also access the GoFundMe page. It's it's on the home page. It's the second picture on the left, and it says crowdfunding for a new pro-life documentary. And so you can also get information and you can help make this amazing work a reality so that you can bring to light, like you said, the truth behind and the faces behind and the women behind, yes. the voices yes. behind behind this issue. It's not just this you know, benign foreign issue, but these are actually people yes. behind it, which is, again... I just have to kind of like go back and be like, I just, I love what you do. I love (laughs) how fierce you are on social media. I love how kind and compassionate you are to, to reach out and to put these women and and their voices. And you said, as you said, their cries out there so that we all can understand a little bit more about what's going on. And like so many things in our world. And I mean, I'm talking about the minor things, the things that really don't have a cr- that big of an impact compared to this, but documentaries really do help. I mean, think of yeah. all the documentaries that maybe we watch on Netflix and how they've changed our mind on what we eat yeah. or where we shop. And mm. this is one of those documentaries that needs to be out there. So you can help. You can help Ovi Nuju create this documentary. You can be a part of it. You can really just help create that. Like, like our names can be a part of that. I mean, talk about doing something mm. beautiful. I mean, people, you need to yeah. do something beautiful. And what, what I love is that there are so many. I am scrolling right now through your GoFundMe site, and mm. I am looking at all of the people that have given just a couple bucks. I mean, it's yeah. just yeah. just a few, whatever they have. So, one, it's you know, so $5. beautiful. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It belongs to them. It's, I mean, this has become their documentary. So I'm so grateful for There is really more power when people gather together, when the crowd, yeah, the crowd gathers together to do something beautiful, you know, really. And this is it. If there is one thing that really qualifies, (laughs) that really qualifies as that, this would actually qualify. And I'm grateful to just be a small part of it and to have just a to spearheaded, but it's not just my project. It's, it belongs to, to everyone. It's for the people who are supporting. It's for the women who have um, just opened up and just spoken so, so candidly and honestly about their experiences. So it's this project. I'm really so grateful to be part of it and to be in it right now, developing it. 
so thankful that you are. And I could not think of anyone better to do this documentary than you. And I, I'm so, so grateful for everything that you're doing. You're really adding so much, so much truth and beauty to this world. I can't thank you enough for it. And okay. <laughs> so Obi Nuju, I want to ask you if you yeah. don't mind what I've been doing. So like this new thing I've been doing with my guest in season yes. four is I've been asking them. And I mean, you have downloaded so much information into our brains right now. I'm sure everybody's ears are exploding with content oh, and facts. No, it's a good thing because we, we clearly, if you just watch, I'm sure probably a lot of people don't even watch the news anymore, but if you, you know, scroll through your Twitter feed or your Instagram yeah. and tr- if you follow like mm-hmm. news sources, you're probably getting mm-hmm. a very skewed opinion. So I'm so thankful yeah. that you were able to kind of clear up some understandings of, of what really we're talking about that right. has, especially in terms of basic human rights and ideological yeah. colonization and, and Melinda Gates's yeah. role and really all mm. of this pulling down to the documentary of why you're doing it. So mm. with all of that new information that we now have and are trying to soak yes. in, can you offer a challenge to our listeners, something that would, that would challenge us to move us into a place where we can fight with you in this good fight. Right. This is something that would seem like is so little, <laughs> but I would say it anyway, because it has made a difference to my work, you know, and my vocation. I've been pro-life, you know that, right? I've been pro-life like my whole life. I have been an activist, like an activist and a very active pro-life person and speaker for the past five years. However, I was never really like social media. You know, I always took it. I always looked down on social media, right? I always took it like, oh, that's something my 20 year old niece would do. (laughs) You know, like it's, it's when you don't really have something serious to say, you go on Facebook and put those lovely pictures, you know, of, of your, your life, maybe yourself by the beach and things like that. However, I think it was about two years ago that I really, I always had a Twitter account. And I decided to get serious on Twitter and try to put out the message as you have just perfectly, you know, you've just captured it perfectly that so much skewed information out there. But whoever is listening to your podcast now, I already believe that for the person to have found your wonderful podcast, Leah, that means that this is someone who's already conscious, you know, of what they consume. It's like someone eating healthy. That whoever is listening to your podcast always is already very conscious of what they're taking in. The person wants the best information. The person wants to be, the person wants to graze and feed from the most pure sources, if you like, right? So can I put this challenge? Uh, some, there's something that a word I've come up with, right? And I, as far as I know, this is something that I came up with. If someone else has come up with it before, I do apologize, but it's called Tweet activism. I don't know if that makes sense. I've always been an activist, but then I only became a tweet activist, right? From Twitter, an activist as one word. I only became a Twitter tweet activist about 18 months ago, two years ago. And since then, I can tell you that the message, just for something I took for granted for so long, the message I've, I've managed to put out the same message but it might, the message has reached so many more people in parts of the world that I never dreamt of. And please don't tell me, oh, no one knows me. No one needs to know you, right? 
But as long as you you know the right sources, if you're listening to, to Leah's podcast, why don't you go on your Twitter or Instagram, right? And just share it. Whatever message it is that you're getting from the right sources or a good quote, you know, from Jason Everett, for example, Jason Everett uh, or his wife, if from their Twitter page or from their own uh, tweet, you can retweet those things or put out original tweets from, you know, those kinds of messages that you're picking up. And don't take it for granted because there are millions of people out there who do not have the same access that you do or who don't know the right places to go because there's so much junk out there. There's so much junk messaging. There's so much junk media and there's so much junk sources. But if you know the right thing to do, which already it's obvious, if you're listening to me right now on this podcast, you know the right thing to do. <laughs> you know what? My listeners are the smartest and, and the best. best. I love sure. my listeners. So, so I agree. So I think they're fantastic. Let's pray they become tweet activists. You know, let there be more of us because on Twitter, there are so many, you know, there are so many leftist activists, you know, the, the pro-abortion people are so many more than us, even though I know pro-life people are out there and they're doing well, we are doing, we're trying our best. But for every one of us, I think there's like 10 more people who believe that abortion is a basic human right, who believe that contraception is a basic human right. So let's get more of us on Twitter. Let's get, let's have a critical mass. And let's begin to put out the message today. So become a pro-life Twitter activist. And also, it's I always like to think of the future. I, I like to think of a time when we're no longer here. What kind of evidence are we leaving that we did our best to put out the right message, to put out the you know the right sources? We did our best to fight injustice, and we only leave the evidence by putting out messages on on social media. And thank God we have such such equipment and tools right now that you can go on Facebook, you can go on Twitter, you can go on Instagram and become, you know, a social media activist, right? Or a tweet activist, just whatever you want to call it, but become that pro-life tweet activist today. I today. love it. I think, yeah. I think that, I think you just, we should just mic drop at that point. We should just, <laughs> just end it right there. Okay. That was a fantastic, fantastic challenge. So become an activist, use social media in whatever way, share this podcast. People need to hear what Obi Nuju is talking about. So in particular, if you're not sure about what to do, let me make it real easy for you. Just share this link on your Twitter or on your Instagram and let people know to listen to this great information, this great woman, and to help us fund this documentary project. We're about halfway through in funding that you've got here. So like, let's just complete this. I, I want this to be completely done. I'm going to go on right now and donate myself. Oh, I'll, I'll add you. my name to it just so you know that like, yes, I did do what I said I was going to do. Um, oh. And we all can too. So, so now remember the GoFundMe page that we're talking about with the documentary, cultureoflifeafrica.com. All of these websites are going to be available in my show notes. So you will be able to go there, to donate there, to get more information there, and to connect, obviously, on social media with Obi Nuju. So Obi Nuju, again, I mean, I just, I just love you. I love your heart. Aww. I love all that you do. You just, I love you too. <laughs> you are just the sweetest woman, and Aww. I am so proud that I'm so proud that you're in this world and you're doing what you're doing. I mean, truly. You really are doing something beautiful. And I'm just so thankful for you. I'm just so, so thankful thank for you. you. Well, thank you, Leah. I am so grateful for you too. And 
the work, the amazing work that you do, you know, when you give these speeches on campuses, you know, sometimes I actually listen to you when you go to like Studentville <laughs> and, and you're giving these wonderful speeches and you're inspiring young women. I have listened to you for many, many, many years anyway, before now, but even now, you know, you were in Studentville not too long ago. You know, I listen to you and it's always amazing just to just to see someone young and beautiful inspire other people because in the world we live in today, that's what people need. Women, you know, girls, young women and girls and young women need to see other young women who are doing just what is beautiful, you know, who are doing something beautiful, if I can put it that way. And they are doing it. And while they're doing it, they are doing it and inspiring many more people to come in and do likewise. And that's what you're doing. Amen. Well, all praise be to God. And to paraphrase what you were saying in your challenge and to give this to the listeners, you have a voice. So use it. Use it to speak truth. Use it to bring beauty into your life and into the world. And obviously, as you know, I'm not talking about external beauty, but the beauty of truth, the beauty of goodness, the beauty of a kind act and a smile. But that is how we can change the world. So Obinuju, thank you for your time again talking to us. And of course, thank you, my listeners. You are amazing. And I love you. And I pray for you every single day. I am so thankful for you that you just support this podcast and all that you do. A few things before we leave. One, to help support us and to help get this podcast out so that more people can be inspired by the inspiring people that I get to talk to. Please go to iTunes and leave a review and those beautiful five stars for me. So believe it or not, it really does help. It helps us become more visible and more people need to know about my great guests. So please do that for me. And also, one other thing, if you go to leadero.com and halfway through on my homepage, you can sign up to receive my free ebook on beauty. And that will automatically enroll you into my newsletter. I really think that that's a good idea for you to do because in that newsletter, which I only send out a few a year, don't worry, you're not going to be bothered by by me. I got three kids under three. I don't have time to bother you. However, but if you sign up for my newsletter, there'll be some special little things that you'll get, some special podcast interviews from special people that I will not post on my podcast that only the people of my newsletter will receive. So things like that, some free stuff, some fun stuff. And then, you know, first dibs on signing up for pilgrimages or information that I got going on. So you can go to leadero.com to sign up for my newsletter there. And that's a fun little thing for you. And I guess that's about it. We're going to wrap up. And as you know, you know, you know what I'm going to say. I, I end every podcast with the same little message, but I mean it with all of my heart. Because in the words of Mother Teresa, whatever you're going to do in this world, just make sure you do something beautiful for God. So wherever you are today and whatever you're dealing with today, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. And I pray for God's peace to come down upon you. And I pray that you can embody the beauty that Christ has already put within you and your soul and that you can share that with the world. So whatever you do today, make sure you do something beautiful for God. And I will talk to you next time.